Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Wendy Higdon is the Director of Bands and Performing Arts Department Chair at Creekside Middle School in Carmel, Indiana. Under her direction, the Creekside Wind Symphony was honored to perform at the Midwest Band and Orchestra Clinic in 2013. Ms. Higdon is in frequent demand as an adjudicator, clinician, guest conductor, and speaker around the country. She was recognized as the Outstanding Bandmaster for 2020 by Phi Beta Mu, Gamma Chapter. She is also a past recipient of the 50 Directors Who Make a Difference Award from School Band and Orchestra Magazine. She's a contributing author for Foundations, the Fundamental Elements for Building a Successful Middle School Band Program. Her articles have appeared in the Instrumentalist Magazine, as well as been published by the National Association for Music Education, Diodario Education Collective, and Music for All, among others. She regularly speaks about important topics in music education and has presented sessions at several national conferences, including the Midwest Clinic, Conselmer Institute, the National Association of School Music Dealers Conference, and the Australian National Band and Orchestra Association Conference in Brisbane, where she was a keynote presenter. Ms. Higdon earned her degree in music education from Ball State University Honors College, graduating summa cum laude. She also holds two master degrees from Butler University, one in clarinet performance and the second in education administration. She's currently serving as the North Central Division Representative on the National Council for Band Music Education. She has served as a board member for the Indiana Music Education Association and is currently co-editor of the Indiana MEA magazine, Inform. She is a member of Phi Beta Mu International, Pi Kappa Lambda National Music Honor Society, the National Association for Music Education, the Indiana Music Education Association, and the Indiana Bandmasters Association. So this week, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Wendy Higdon to the podcast. Wendy, I've heard your name uh, here and there as a, as a clinician. I've seen you uh, that you've done a ton of presenting, that you've had all kinds of awards, that you're ensembles have played at Midwest. Um, you come very highly recommended, so it's really a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. Thanks. Well, thanks, Jim. It's great to be here. So why don't you tell people um, like the your career path story, how you got into music and music education, you know, your undergrad and and, and any experiences you had since then, and, and then up to today where you are at Creekside Middle School. Well, I have been fortunate to be a career middle school band teacher. Um, I got my undergraduate degree at Ball State University in Indiana. I have a couple master's degrees from Butler University. Um, But I started out with my first job teaching middle school band at Lebanon Middle School in Lebanon, Indiana. I was there for eight years. Uh Uh, And then I was able to come to Carmel Clay Schools. uh, And uh, I taught at Carmel Middle School for five. And then we opened Creekside Middle School. So I had the opportunity to open a brand new school in 2004. And I've been here ever since. 
So middle school is because my I spent the vast majority of my career at that level. Um, was that your intent when you were in undergrad that you wanted to be a middle school band director? Because I know for me, my you know I went to uh, be, I, I became a music ed major because I thought I could do my high school band director's job better than he could. I had a you know crazy ego chip on my shoulder. I was like, I'm going to be a high school band director, and I ended up being in three different elementary schools in uh, you know as a band director in in the inner city. Not exactly what I had you know as as my um, first job. I, so was that like what you wanted to do as middle school? It was. Um... I had this really dynamic and energetic and talented um, young middle school band director, female band director, and I just admired her so much, and that was what I wanted to do. Yeah, to me, that I, it, 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 I've been, or you've probably have heard it, uh, you know, you either love middle school or you don't. Um, and I absolutely loved it. And the reason that I really enjoyed those middle, middle school kids so much um, was that they had enough skills to be able to make music that would satisfy my musical needs. I tried, I did the elementary thing and it was like, it, for me, it was a little brutal um, because I was, you know, getting through the first the first half of a method book and just barely being able to, you know, squeak out first rock and Christmas. Um, but when I got to the middle school, I could really do some pretty cool repertoire and the kids were still wide eyed and bushy. I mean, when they're in seventh grade, you know, they're seventh graders, anybody who knows that age. I just want to know if that's a similar experience uh, that you have. Well, all of my middle school teaching positions have included beginning band. We start band in sixth grade here. Oh, wow. So, all right. Yes. Uh, so it's a little different than elsewhere in the country. So I've I've been able to teach beginners every year that I've I've been in education and I love it. I love being there at the start of the journey, um, being able to uh, kind of be master of my own path or yep. destiny, so to yep. speak. I'm not relying on someone else's work um, to chart what my kids can do. Although I do have to say we have incredible elementary general music teachers here in Carmel and they make my job, all of our jobs so much easier because of the great training that our kids come to us with. They, they are just really solid on so many of their skills. Yeah, so it's really interesting and, and we'll come, we'll get to the questions in a minute, but you just said something about this this notion of starting kids in sixth grade. I know where I live in the Northeast, um, third grade kids learn recorder as a kind of preface to uh, the spring instrument fair where the kids look at all the instruments, they decide what they want to rent. And in fourth grade, bam, they're, they're, they've got their nice shiny cases that are often as large as the kids themselves. Yeah. Um, but elsewhere in the United States, Texas, the Midwest, Indiana, where you are, I know that sixth grade is the prime starting age. I just now, because uh, you know, you've taught in Indiana your whole career, and I would imagine you've taught beginning the whole time. I think you just said that. Um, what do you think about starting older? What are the advantages? I think the prime advantage is that um, in, in with my beginning students, I see them five days a week. Oh, wow. And a lot of those younger pullout programs, it might be once or twice a week for a really short amount of time. Yep. I have large classes. I have classes, uh, beginning classes with mixed instrumentation, you know, between 35 and 50 kids in a class. 
Um, so that that does make things challenging at absolutely. times. There is absolutely no substitute for that daily reinforcement of skills. Oh, no question. When I was elementary, I would have pull out lessons where I'd be arguing with the other teachers who wouldn't want them mm -hmm. to come out because it wasn't important enough, quote unquote. And I had banned during their recess period. So nobody wanted to miss recess. So hard. Yeah, so no. Hard. I, I, and, and what grade levels are is your middle school? Six, seven, eight? Yes. So what kind of progression do you see in those three years? Like what level? I mean, if you're playing at the Midwest, you did that back in 2013? That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, that you're getting them to a really solid level in three years. So what's your magic trick uh, other than being a fabulous teacher? <laughs> um, there's no magic. It's, it really is just a lot of hard work. Um, we have a, a very supportive community here. We have a community that is interested in and values the arts. So that certainly helps. We have administration that supports the arts. And, um, and the kids come to us. We, we have great kids who work hard and are just lots of fun to be around. Um, and, you know, we just are able to offer them a really high quality education. We focus on uh, fundamental skills. Um, we, the fundamental focus is, I think, absolutely key yep. to, to the performance, because if you can't perform the fundamental skills, then you really can't perform the music. But if you can, if you can do all of those fundamental skills, then you can play anything you want. Yeah, it, it, to me, and I promise I'll get to the questions, but I find this conversation <laughs> so fascinating that, you know, in the, in the Northeast, and I taught in an extremely affluent school district um, where, um, you know, the kids, their parents are multimillionaires. And um, I always felt like I was competing for attention with other activities, whether it was fencing, horseback riding, ballet, or whatever it was, I was constantly competing. So to get kids to practice was very difficult. Um, and, you know, I've always had this like weird notion that, well, maybe in the Midwest and Texas, the kids are just less, they've got less activities to do, but I don't think that's the case. And instead, I think it's this, what you just said, which is a supportive community and the ability to see them five days a week. Cause I never saw that, that many, you know, that, that's amazing. Absolutely. And, you know, and our kids are very busy as well. Some of them are quite overscheduled, um, and, you know, at, at some point in time, some of them opt for whatever that other activity is right, that they're doing right. over band. But I, I feel really confident that we can give them a solid set of skills in that first year, as opposed to, you know, if I only saw them once a week, I saw them, you know, 30, 30 some times in a school year. Yep. It's a lot easier to keep the kids when you see them more frequently and they have really accomplished something significant in that first year. Absolutely. All right. So um, why don't you kind of tell us about your music program at Creekside Middle School, like as it is today? I mean, you're in the middle of a teaching day while we're doing this interview. So what, what is your what is your like weekly schedule look like? What kind of ensembles are you teaching? We are on a, uh, a block schedule. Um, now, I mentioned that we see our sixth graders daily. They're on skinny. So sixth grade electives happen five days a week for 45 minutes. Okay. Everything else that we teach uh, during the school day is a 90 minute block every other school day. So my seventh grade groups, my eighth grade groups, those are 90 minutes every other day. Wow. Um, and that was a huge adjustment for us. I feel like we're now 
six, seven years into teaching on this block schedule. And I, I am starting to feel like I have it figured out. <laughs> it, takes, it takes a while. I, I, I don't know if I could ever do a block schedule. It seems like so much time with the kids. 90 minutes is a very long time for seventh graders uh, to yep. be in a classroom. Um, eighth graders do a little better. But um, it's it's a long time. And, um, you know, back when we did Midwest, I saw those kids five days a week. So this has been a change since that time. Yeah. Um, you know, the benefit of it is, is you certainly can can dive deeper into anything that you're doing. The challenge is that at some point during that 90 minutes, some kids will hit the wall and they're yep. done. <laughs> And then just making sure that they retain it from one class to the next, especially if you, you know, you see them on a Thursday and then you don't see them again till Monday. Yeah. Yeah. The double time doesn't necessarily mean double good. You know, that the everyday um, kind of commitment and playing and muscle memory and, 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 be, and continuity, if you will, is probably a whole lot better so absolutely yeah so you're 16 years into teaching in creeks at creekside middle school and then you probably got an announcement mid-march of 2020 uh that your kids were going to be uh going home for a while i would imagine i mean what 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 happened with covid with you and where are you today well it was interesting because we were um you know we all left school on march 13th 2020 and um we were just about ready for our, our concert. We had a concert scheduled for March 17th. So we were just a few days away from the concert and from assessment, which was a few days after that. So the kids were like playing really well. We were at our peak, at our high point, And we just really thought we're gonna go home for a couple of weeks and then we'll be back and we'll we'll play this music at our spring concert, maybe add another, another piece or two. And you know, it'll be all good. And little did we know that we were gonna be home for the rest of the school year. Um, so, you know, it was, it was challenging in so many ways, but it was also, there, there wasn't a lot of closure to that school year. Right. Absolutely. We just really left things at this, at this high point, but never got to share it with our community and our families and our friends. And, you know, we did some things. We, one of the first virtual assignments that we gave was, play a concert for your parents. And, you know, we sent out the concert recordings of all the music that, that we had. Here's a link to this song. Here's a link to this song. Just play along with the recording and, and do a concert for your parents and send us a picture. That's an and awesome that idea, by the way. I absolutely ideas. love that. Yeah. So we weren't gonna make the kids, you know, brand new into virtual learning send us a recording of their entire at-home concert, but we wanted pictures. And, right. and that was that was just really nice because gosh, we got to see the kids and, and see them celebrating with their family a little bit. Um, but that those three months were incredibly difficult. The learning curve was steep for everyone. Yep. Um, and, you know, we started off thinking, oh, we're gonna be back. We'll be back after spring break. It's all good. We just have to, you know, we just have to figure these next couple of weeks out. And so once we came to the realization that no, we're not coming back, um, we really shifted gears from a preparation of music focus for a spring concert to like really focusing on individual instrument skills yep. and the pedagogy. And so um, we certainly, there were lots of Oh, that didn't work. Let's try something else throughout that COVID thing. Um, but 
you know, I think, I think, I think we did pretty well, uh, considering, um, yeah. we used a, used a lot of technology, a lot of video, um, it was interesting. My my youngest son was student teaching in a band classroom at the same time all of this happened. So he was downstairs teaching his band oh. classes over Zoom. I was upstairs teaching my band classes over Zoom. And uh, that's wild. Trying, yeah, just trying not to like overlap sounds like when are your classes? When are you you know trying to schedule everything out? But you know, between the two of us, we did a lot of recording of videos for the kids to play along with because certainly as as most of us know now, it Zoom band doesn't work very easily. That's right. Um, so yeah, it was. It, I, I hope we don't ever have to do it again. When did you guys go back into in person? Was it the fall or is it more recent than that? No, we went back fall of, of uh, twenty twenty. We were on a hybrid schedule, so half of the half of the kids were in a building at a time. Um, it was actually a little less than half because about 25% of our student body opted for virtual learning. Right. So they were they were full-time at home. Um, but of the kids that came to in-person learning, we had half of them in the building at the time. And boy, uh, the challenging part of that is because we had a hybrid and a block schedule. We only saw our kids once every four school days. Oh my goodness. Um, oh. <laughs> talk about forgetting a lot between class periods. Yeah, blessing and a curse, right? You know, yes. <laughs> and were the kids playing, or or did I mean? Because um, I don't know if you know Lita Sena Lopez, who is also she's in Northwest Indiana, and she she basically did not miss one rehearsal. The kids were playing with masks on. I, you know, when did you return to the kids actually playing, and were they all sitting spread apart? Yeah, we played the we played every day. We had the chairs um, six feet apart, and then they were also staggered front to back. Um, we were able to do that because because we only had half the kids in the in the building at, at a time. Oh, right, class right. sizes were so much smaller, and so we did the bell covers and the musician masks and and all of the spraying down the chairs and the music stands at the end of each class period and all of the you know the the protocols that so many of us um, had to do yeah. in, our, in our own schools. But we were fortunate that we were allowed to play last year because I know in some places that was not the case. Yeah, so um, Wendy, you mentioned that you used lots of different technology. I know, um, you know, when I first um, heard of you and, and what you did, I know that you used smart music for years and years. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you probably use that. But what, what, you know, what were you doing? What were you using? You said, you know, some of it worked, some of it didn't, you know, just, right. just to get an idea of how you were able to continue the this kind of amazing program through throughout this hybrid and 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 you know virtual uh, you know time well we were we used um, our learning management system canvas daily yep and everything was posted to canvas so that was kind of the uh, the gateway to all the technology that we were using and uh, I had I had all all my instruments at home so I pick up a flute and play it or pick up a clarinet and play it or pick up a saxophone and play it and really trying to make sure that I was providing um, information. I, I teach the woodwinds here. Right. And I have a colleague that does the brass. And so making sure I'm providing videos for each instrument. Um, so we did a ton of videos. We did a lot of YouTube. Um, we were we were on the smart music platform at that time. And so we used that. Um, you know, all, all of those resources that were available to us um, 
we tried to we tried to utilize. Now I did not get into the the kind of virtual concerts where you have the little boxes and and you edit all of that video. Oh, together. it's crazy, crazy it's, amount of work. I can't even imagine the amount of time that people spend making those. I'm not that tech savvy. I, I do pretty well, but that's that's above my skill set. So we didn't even try to do anything like that. Right. Um, you know, it's hard to get kids to engage. Uh, many kids, you know, they would they would either not come on the Zoom at all, or they'd come on and they'd have their cameras turned off and their mutes on. Getting assignments turned in was a big challenge for us. And I think we were all just kind of shell shocked into you know what's happening in our world, and so we just kind of approach things with a lot of understanding and grace and um, try to make assignments engaging and fun through the through incorporation of technology, especially video. Yeah, were you using um, Flipgrid at all or what, how are the kids making those videos? Um, we have used Flipgrid in the past and that's a great tool. We just had them submit through the video um, submission tool through Canvas. Okay. They were able to record right from their, their devices. Um, we also tried to do some fun things. Like we would, um, we had a family trivia night where, you know, we invited students and their parents and um, we, we did it over Zoom, but they, you know, Zoom and Kahoot, I think is what we used. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. And, and just tried to do some fun things with that and just more so just to get kids to show up. Exactly. Because it was just really challenging for some of some of our children to actually be there um, when we when we held class. Yeah, so you became a music first customer at the beginning of last school year. Is that right? The beginning of this school year. Oh, this school year. So what 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 um, programs are you using and how's it working out for you? Well, it's working out great. I, I love music first. I had, um, you know, I had been hearing about it for for several years. I think it's been around for about 10 years. And, um, you know, kind of just watching as it was de getting developed. You know, anytime something new comes out, it just takes a little while to uh, to work out the kinks. Right. And, um, you know, I just felt like the time was right. I love the assessment piece in practice first. I think that's, um, it's tremendous. I love this, the specific feedback that students get. Um, I am now delving into adding my own repertoire into uh, practice first through um, some of the methods that you're, you are able to uh, import an XML file, that kind of thing. Um, and so I, while it's, you know, it's like anything else, there's a little bit of a learning curve. Um, the kids adapted to it really well and it's worked out great for our program. Um, so we have, we currently have the practice first and the music first platform. Um, in the past, I've used Sight Reading Factory and some of the other tools that you have, but we just aren't there at this point in time. Right, right. Part, part so, of it is budget. Yeah, I get it. Um, let me ask you, because I'm really interested, um, you know, when I was teaching um, middle school band, I'll be really candid and say that my my ensembles did not get to anywhere near the types of accolades that your ensembles get to. So I'm really interested to hear this from from you. Um, for me, music technology with an ensemble was meant to be uh, like my assistant director, meaning that, uh, you know, 
I didn't really want to quote unquote waste rehearsal time because it was so precious, um, but instead wanted the kids to do stuff in their in their small group lessons or or, or something like that. Um, but you know, I would love to hear what your um, what your idea of the role of music technology in a high you know a highly successful program like yours is. Well, I mean, it's a tool like anything else. And I think that you have to be thoughtful in how you set up your assignments. Um, for example, we had um, a piece called Kalos Eidos by Carol Britton Chambers that we did for assessment um, a few weeks ago. And there are a lot of notes in that piece. Um, it was challenging for our kids, particularly coming off the pandemic when everybody's skill level is just a little lower than normal. And so what I did is, is I set up a series of, I think it was five different assignments in practice first. And um, each assignment covered basically one fifth of, of the song. So whatever that was, uh, 30 bars, 40 bars. And what I did in addition is, is each assignment, each successive assignment, I increased the tempo that was required. So we're starting off and we're, we're kind of getting the feel of this piece, but we're going at a really slow tempo. And yeah. then the yeah. next one was just a little bit faster and the next one was just a little bit faster. I love to use um, software like Practice First to accelerate the, let's get the notes and the rhythms learned and let's do it at home. It kind of forces the kids to have to address that issue rather yeah. than yeah. learning them or trying to learn them all in class. Yeah, because for years there there was a buzzword, you know, flipped classroom, flipped classroom, mm -hmm. and and you know people were like, well, I don't understand how we do that in music. We already do it. You're you are you just like nailed in my opinion that the whole purpose of technology is that, you know, th those rehearsals and that time I always saw it as precious, right? I, you know, yes. anything if a fire alarm went off during my band rehearsal, I would go ballistic because I you know I was like. I have, like you said, like I have 30 times that I see these kids before the concert. You can't take away one minute. Um, so the idea of having the kids coming to rehearsal, at least having a basic understanding of what the notes are so that I can then spend that precious time actually shaping and, and working on balance and blend and intonation and all the other stuff. Boy, you know, I, I think you just, I, I'm glad you said what you said. And I think to me, that is, you know, when you, it is used as a tool and not as a novelty, but mm -hmm. as a tool to like accomplish a goal, like I have little time with you guys, it's time to, <laughs> you need to have all this stuff already memorized and, and the right. accountability that by the, any of these software programs have that kids, you can see, did they do it? Did they hand it in? You know, how many, you know, how many, how many assignments have they missed? You know, when I was just basically begging kids to practice and, right. and, and then showing up at the next rehearsal going, nope, they didn't practice. You know, there was the, that lack of accountability and that lack of visibility, if you will, was really frustrating for me. So I, I'm, I'm really happy to hear you say that. Another one of my favorite little, little tricks to do with assignments uh, on assessment software like Practice First is give them a really short time to get the assignment done, you know, maybe a week, maybe a few days, but the, in, in trade-off with them, my, I tell them, if you score an 80 or an 85%, whatever, whatever I decide that, that threshold is, if you score an 85% or higher and you turn it in by the due date, I'm going to bump your grade to a hundred percent. 
if you turn it in after the due date, your grade is what your grade is. Right. And that not only encourages, okay, let's work through some of this. It doesn't have to be perfect yet, but they're coming to class with 85% of the notes in the rhythms bound and they're doing it pretty quickly. Yeah. It's, you know, we, I mean, we, in education, we have moved so far to, you know, everybody's accepting late work. Everybody's, you know, nobody's giving zeros anymore. I mean, that those are the, the current trends in education. Um, and so, you know, if a kid technically can turn in an assignment all the way until the end of the quarter, that doesn't help us very much in getting notes and rhythms learned so that we can work on those other things that you mentioned, balance, blend, musicality, expression, dynamics, whatever. Right. And so when I make this, this little deal with them and say, if it's in, you're going to get this automatic boost to your grade, that, that does help a lot of kids to, you know, kind of put their noses to the grindstone, so to speak. That's brilliant. I, I hope uh, people take notes on that one because just, you know, for example, with Sight Reading Factory, and I know you said you you weren't using it anymore, the the one complaint that we hear, if you will, is that it doesn't do auto assessment. And people are like, look, mm -hmm. if I got 200 kids, I don't have time to listen to 200 different sight reading right. activities. I'm like, no, 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 you're using it wrong. <laughs> I'm not asking you to listen to all that. Just have the kids do it, right? Just make sure that they're handing in a recording on a regular basis so that there's and, you know, you can spot check. I'm not, you know, that, but the idea of the students getting into that routine and getting into this expectation of, no, you know, band isn't a class where I can just show up and they should be thankful that I'm there. But instead there's, you know, there's actually work to do and that it's just like in any other academic course. Um, I personally think that technology is a perfect little fit for that. Um, it's, and, and obviously you can show administration, parents, any stakeholder that wants to see it, look at how much work my kids are doing in this class. Right. It's not just show up, you know, blow a few notes and go home. You, you know what I'm saying? I always felt like I was constantly trying to defend my purpose in the school. Like, no, band is really important. It teaches them so many things. I'm like, yeah, it's just a fun little, uh, you know, extracurricular was, I was always felt. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know sure. how it how it is there in Creekside. Hopefully it's a little different, but I, I always had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that I mean, because, you know, it is something that is often considered not the priority. And, you know, we have discussed, my, my music staff and I have discussed on numerous occasions how how resilient our music teachers are and, you know, an obstacle gets thrown in our path and we just figure out how to make it work. Yep. Um, and, you know, often those are obstacles are there because something else is the priority. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You just, I mean, as exhausting as it can be at times, we don't let those things stop us. We, right. you know, we, may, we may grumble about them to each other. Um, certainly that does happen, but Ultimately, after we grumble for a few minutes, it's like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to get, how are we going to make this work for our kids? Yeah, no, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the same way. It's like, you can sit there and grumble all you want. You still got to, you know, I, I once my, the best advice my wife ever gave me is I used to come home. I had an administrator who was driving me nuts, like absolutely nuts. And I wanted to quit, you know, that 
that typical, you know, I had I had seven principals in 11 years in the middle school that I ended my career in. That's a lot. Yeah, I was just like, ah. my wife said, why don't you stop complaining and start doing something about it? And it mm-hmm. shifted my whole mindset. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, OK. Uh, you know, it's much better to just go go in there, nose to the grindstone. Yeah. Um, here's what I'd like to hear from you, because I've asked many, um, many uh, ensemble directors it's two part question. Number one is like, what happened to your numbers uh, in terms of, you know, your overall, the size of your ensembles? And then probably more importantly, what is your outlook for the next, the next school year and, and the years to come for not only your music program, but for music ed in general? We took, we took a dip last year, um, primarily because that 25% of our student body that was on virtual learning all year, our district did not offer music to to those students. Uh. And so we just didn't have them. Those those kids were gone. Right. Now, some of them returned this year, which was wonderful. Um, And, you know, there's a variety of of skill sets. I mean, some, some kids came in as seventh graders with absolutely no instruction. They were they were brand new beginners in a, in a second year band. Some kids had tried to self-teach and, with mixed results and some kids had taken private lessons and then others just never came back. So, you know, we did see a dip last year. We're still, we're, we're I would say we're fairly close to normal numbers this year Next year, we're actually going to be larger than we have been in a while. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So there, I mean, there, I think there is light at the end of the tunnel, but, but there is definitely a rebuilding. There has definitely been a lot of adjustments that we've had to make. And, you know, there's been a couple of times this year where we've, we've handed out a piece of music and and worked on it for a bit. And it's like, nope, that's too hard. We, uh, we overestimated where these kids are and, and we've had to regroup and, and try again. Um, I think that in our building and our, our district, our second year players are the ones that are really struggling. Um, they seem to have taken the biggest hit in yeah. terms of skills that they do not yet have. And they also seem to have taken the biggest hit in terms of um behavior, social issues, immaturity, emotional issues. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody can quantify the impact that for some kids, two years of isolation, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not really two years, but you know what I'm saying? My my daughter, uh, who is a senior, my youngest daughter, who's a senior in high school, um, she thoroughly enjoyed virtual school. She was like, I don't have to get up. I can get up at 7.27 a.m. for my 7.30 class. I don't have to, you know, in, in the school district where my kids go, they didn't have to turn their videos on so for privacy reasons, which I was like, I don't understand how that's, you know, a thing. Uh, so she loved it. But when she got back to school um, and was able to just even recently take her mask off finally and, and like it's normal for the end of her senior year of high school, which I'm just so incredibly thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I do think the kids, I, I think they're going to feel it for years. I mean, because just think of yourself as a music educator, 
in April of 2020 going, the sky is absolutely falling. It's not, I'm not being Henny Penny. It's on its way down, right? So yeah, I think that every, every teacher, music teachers especially, are going to have to be doing a lot of almost counseling as well as their jobs, you know, all music teachers for the next few years to get this generation of COVID kids uh, on the right track. Yeah, I, you know, I had a conversation with a parent a, a couple of weeks ago about their child and, and, you know, we were just talking about some of the challenges and I said, you know, I said, if, if we tell ourselves that things are back to normal, we're kidding ourselves. Right. And she agreed and, and it just related some of the things that their family was facing. Um, you know, I think we all want to think we're back to normal, you know, in most places, we're not we're not wearing masks anymore. Right, right. In most places, we're back to school full time, and and activities have resumed. But there's still a lot of impact of COVID, and as you said, I think we're going to feel it in in many ways for years, probably most acutely in the social, emotional, mental health arena, yep. which yeah. is so hard to pin down. Yeah, I think, Wendy, you may have been the one who suggested that we bring in that music foundations. Um, I yeah. absolutely love uh, that publication. I, was it you that, that recommended it? I, I think I was. Actually. Yeah, yeah. It was um, when Mike Olander said, Wendy Higdon wants this. I was like, <laughs> we're getting it. If she wants it, let's get it. So you're right, you know, that SEL thing. A lot of people think it's it's fluff. It is not fluff. These kids need it. They um, they, uh, because they're, they've, they've had a giant shift and, and, and they need a little bit of help. Mm -hmm. I would love yeah. to, you know, I mean, in, so your, your, your long range outlook for, for technology in your program is that, you know, it'll help, um, you know, supplement that loss and get kids back to where they are. Is that correct? And, and what do you think the, you know, your use of technology moving forward will be? You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I think technology is a great tool. I feel like we have become so dependent and reliant on it in the schools. Um, our students are staring at screens for a good portion of their day. And what I'm starting to see are issues where kids are, are you know, opening up other tabs and doing other things that maybe aren't related to school on their Chromebooks because they they can get away with it or they think they can get away with it. And so, you know, we have really tried to make sure in the band classroom that we keep technology as a tool and we use it when it's helpful. And we don't feel that pressure to use it every day. We don't feel that pressure to use it all the time. Um, and we even, you know, just, just in the last month, we had a, I had an assignment that kids did, um, I, I, it actually is floating around a lot of different places called the rehearsal detective that kids would do when they didn't have an instrument or they couldn't play. And I, a couple of years ago, I put it on, I put it on a Google form and made it online. And just in the last month, I said, nope, we're going back to paper and pencil because it was too tempting for students to work on other things or look yeah. at other things or play games on their computers instead of doing this assignment. And, um, you know, I do think we just have to be aware and we have to be smart about technology. It can be a great thing for kids. 
it, I absolutely love to incorporate technology and, and particularly things like practice first. But um, it has become like just the go-to for everything that I just wanna be smart and thoughtful about when we use technology and when it's okay to, you know what, we're just, we're playing our instruments and that's the technology that we're using. Here, here. I think, that I, Wendy, that leads me perfectly to the advice question. Um, and that is what advice would you give to other music teachers who are, who are thinking of uh, incorporating music tech into their programs? And I'm really focused on like moving forward. Um, you know, I never, I, we're doing this interview today over Zoom. I, I can't wait to never see Zoom again, to be honest. You know, it's one of those like, ah. Oh. Um, you know, in terms of teaching, because you get nothing out of it, but, but your advice on for teachers going, okay, I figured I'm at, I'm out of it. We're out of this thing now, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, what technology should I really be using, uh, moving forward? So just your advice. Well, again, I think just being thoughtful about the technology choices that you make and making sure that it really is going to benefit your program. And not every technology has to be based on a, a laptop computer or a Chromebook. For example, we use the Yamaha Harmony Director oh, yeah. every day. That's a wonderful piece of technology. Um, you know, we have we have tuners and tuner uh, clip-on uh, plugins that the kids use every day. That's a great use of technology, but it's not sometimes what people think of. I mean, we're so ingrained to think of computer. And so, I, I think just being thoughtful, how is this something that can help my program? It's not, not going to be something that's going to replace good teaching, but, you know, how can I use this to enhance what I already do or make the job easier? You know, so for, for example, using something like Music First, a couple of the ways that we use it that I talked about earlier to encourage practice, um, you know, we like to use... Um, practice first for like a, a band karate type system that we have where the kids pass off different levels and um, they can work at their own pace. So that encourages kids to look ahead. So just being thoughtful in how you're using it and really just being reflective as to how is this benefiting my program? Is it benefiting my program? Is this the best way to approach it? And just remembering that it's, it's only a tool and you still have to be the teacher that really makes makes it all work. Uh, great, great advice indeed. All right, so my final question for you is uh, the magic wand. If you could wave a magic wand uh, and and have music first or or any music tech um, do something that it can't do now, what would it be? Can we get rid of kids' phones? We say that one more time. Get rid of the kids' phones. Oh. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it's just a. You know, I think you and I are about the same age. I, I was adding up the number of years, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is a society is a very different you know thing. I I I I have made it. Um, I deleted all my social media accounts, which has been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me mm -hmm. in terms of my mental health and being present and you know with my own right. family and my wife and everything. Yeah. And I think that um, my daughter came home the other day and said, um, Dad, we had phone free Friday at school today. And I was like, and? and she's like, we would we got an award if we could lock our phone in our lockers all day without touching. <laughs> it is so hard, you know, um, and, and I, I say that you know, a bit jokingly, right. but but our students are so 
and adults. Let's let's be honest here. Definitely. We are so addicted to our phones and our screens. And um, you know, while I love technology, I also want my students to talk to each other. I want them to be present. I want them to communicate. I want them to develop relationships. And and I want that to be important to them. And I think that we we're moving away from that just because of the screen time that we we involve ourselves in. And so I, I guess I'm not answering your question at all. No, but um, I love the answer. I absolutely <laughs> I, think, I think we need to be, I think we need to be intentional about our use of technology. And if we're intentional and if we're smart about it, it can do wonderful things for our students and wonderful things for our programs, but we can't become all reliant on it. Well, Wendy, I will leave it at that. That is that is very, very, uh, those are very, very important words and I hope uh, people uh, take them to heart. Wendy, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and talking about uh, your, your program and, and everything that's been going on. I thoroughly appreciate it and uh, I wish you the best uh, rest of your school year and a really uh, fabulous 2022-23 school year. Oh, thank you. And you as well. All right. All the best. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.